Well, hello and welcome to The Hoot, news and ideas from Region Media. I'm Genevieve Jacobs. Ross Solly is right next to me. Yes, uh, hello and hello to lovers of Canberra's national institutions, which are beating with a pulse now that hasn't been felt for years and years, Genevieve, with all this money being splashed about and the National Library and the National Gallery and they're all cock-a-hoop today and it's a great day for Canberra. It is exciting news. It mm-hmm. is genuinely exciting news for Canberra that at long last has been a lifeline. I think I saw figures saying that around about 30% of staff at the National Gallery had their positions mm-hmm. under some kind of threat. That was a disaster yep. that, that desperately needed mediating. I tell you what, where else there's a lot of money floating around and that's in what the Raiders are offering jo- Jack White. Wow, goodness, 4.4 4 over four years. How do I get a bit of that action? <laughs> well, Genevieve. look, I think I'm going to say your knees are not up to playing for the Raiders. Is that possible? Well, I don't know. I saw the Raiders play last Friday night and I think maybe I'm a bit too good (laughs) for the Raiders. (laughs) It has to be said that that, that at the moment the Raiders are testing people's patience. Tim Gavel always writes that he has great faith in the Raiders. He's he's Raiders through and through. His blood blood bleeds green. Well, yes, but Mm. it's almost a ritual that at the beginning of each season, Tim expresses great faith Mm. in the Raiders and Mm. optimism that this will be their Mm. season. It has to be said that's a little bit slow in coming yes. just yet. It's early days. Who knows? Uh, look, we're going to talk about a bunch of news stories, corporate disasters afoot, questions about how on earth we mm. get this housing business right in Canberra, the, the missing middle, mm-hmm. and also whether we should have a good hard look at daylight saving. Ross, a long-running story both of us have watched over the years is beginning to sort of unspool, and that's Brindabella Christian College mm. in Lynham. They're in the Administrative Appeals Tribunal which has made public allegations from the Commonwealth Education Minister about just terrible governance, Mm. unbelievably bad governance, an alleged sharp financial decline since 2016, severe liquidity issues. My point, not so much about sort of the ins and outs of that very lengthy story, although we've covered it extensively on Mm. Right Act, Mm. but it's a school that receives more than $10 million per annum from the taxpayer. Now, I've had my four kids at both public and private schools I reckon there's got to be a crystal clear commitment to transparency. Any service that receives extensive government support Mm. must be able to be very open about its financial situation and its governance, mustn't it? Well, I think uh, reading what's happened here, I think most certainly, I mean... I don't know if there's a kid's book around called Running a Business for Kids or uh, How to Run a Business if You're a Kid, but if there was, I'm sure that there'd be some very basic things you're supposed to do when you're running a business because the folk who are running this school did none of them. Mm. They basically had a board that consisted of three people. Mm. A couple of them had conflicts of interest that seems coming out their ears mm. with stuff they're doing from the school, but they didn't bother taking minutes from some of their meetings. I mean, from day one, it was an absolute shambles. And no wonder when somebody finally got a chance to have a bit of a look at it, they thought, well, this seems a bit dodge. Uh, Look, there's still stuff going on about it. Obviously, there's appeals, as you said, you know, even counter appeals. But if you're pumping a whole heap of uh, taxpayers' money, ratepayers' money into this school, then I think you need to be accountable. And I think that the government, by the way, needs to be accountable to and actually come forward and say, well, this is what we're giving you. Show me how you're spending it. Show me how you're accounting for it. And show me how you're running the business because I'm not sure the three of you are doing a good job. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think this is part of the point is that there is, at every point, people will say to you, what is the government doing about Mm. this? This has been going on for years and years and years. It's plain as the nose in your face that there are deep problems. We don't seem to be seeing any particular action. And look, I've, I've had information for years from a group of former parents and teachers, even a school principal and directors. They all want the school to survive and thrive. But, you know, every institution gets tarred with the same brush mm. when the issue is 
very, very poor governance and probably the need for the government to step in and take some sort of final decision on this. I suppose the question has to be asked as well, Genevieve, is, you know, we are a small jurisdiction with a small government and we have a, we don't have a, a senator or anything like that. So there's very few checks and balances in place. But when you also look at things like what's happening with the CIT and stuff like mm. that, where there seems to have been money just thrown around with reckless abandon, mm. you do have to ask the question, are we getting value for money? And for a lot of our listeners who are paying rates that are going through the roof, um, they'd want to know that when that gets reinvested into worthy businesses and worthy operations, that the money is actually being spent properly. So yeah, I think everything's focused on the, the Brindabella School at the moment, but there are other issues in the ACT. Just today, Genevieve, we had a case where uh, a company which was awarded a contract to provide electric charging systems mm. around Canberra, all of a sudden they realised actually that doesn't fit what we want because their virtual advertising is too big. Oh, for heaven's sake. Now, as as people have said, well, didn't you do your due diligence? And they're saying, probably not as well as we should have. Oh, and see, this is the, we, we're yeah. not running a Shire Council here. We're not running a Shire. <laughs> this is not the Womboyne Shire Council. No, exactly. So if you're going to be giving... By the way, which is a very well-run organisation, I believe, if it exists. <laughs> no, it doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't exist. However, however, but but I, I think... This is not the cool your nobbing Shire Council <laughs> for our Western Australian listeners. Cool your nobbing. That's that place. It Seriously. Is a place. It is a place. Oh, I'll have to take that one on yeah. trial. Yeah. Um, Ross, another sort of wrangle that, that we're very familiar with is how to fit everyone into the city. It's probably one mm. of the most problematic things we've argued about year upon year upon year. Um, Joe Clay from the Greens has has written us an opinion piece on Right Act, actually one of the most widely read stories for the whole of this week, mm. talking about what she calls the missing middle and it's, it's medium density housing. And she says, I think this is right, we typically either have high density units, everything along, you know, Northbourne or around the, the town centres, or enormous houses and and very little in between. I mean, surely the problem here, though, is that everyone talks about how Mm. we are going to do this, but nobody wants it next to their nice big RZ1 zoned standalone home. No, no. And I think as Joe Clay mentioned, she's pinning a bit of the blame on the the developers. She thinks the developers have got too much power in this city. And that's something which we've been saying. Mm, I was say, that's, that's not a new idea either. No, it is absolutely mm. not. But it doesn't seem like there's anyone in the government who's prepared to stand up and say, whoa, 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 hang on a sec. Uh, you know, th- is this really fitting our grand vision for, for what we want for this city? Are we catering for, you know, middle class? Are we, are we providing those options? Uh, you know, it is funny. I hadn't thought about it till I read Joe's article, but she's spot on the money. There is this you know the big the big McMansions and the big blocks of land hmm. which you get around Canberra. Then you've got the apartments which are just chucked on top of each other. There isn't really those middle those middle ground areas, and it's an area which I think for for a lot of Canberrans it's quite frustrating because you don't want to go when you're downsizing. It's a big step to go from a blooming big place down to a little apartment, and not many people want to do that. And vice versa, there's got to be a stage when you're moving from you know living by yourself out of uni in a, in a little apartment. You don't want to go straight to a whopping great McMansion somewhere. No, and I I think the other point about this too is that that's got to happen in the RZ1 zones in the inner suburbs as well. So Mm. you are starting to see in places like the new Malonglo developments and so on and so forth, more townhouses. But... The Greens want to keep the footprint of of development within seventy percent of it within our existing footprint, and you know that's two thirds or so. That's within the governing agreement with the Labor Party, which means that redevelopment has to happen mm. in our nice leafy suburbs. Mm. So we're going to have to get over ourselves if we think yeah. that's what we want. 
We, we do, but I think we also, I mean, we're smart enough as a community to, to know what we want, how we want things to look. So I think we need to actually just have a little bit more control over how these developments look, uh, how are they going to fit in? I, I feel Genevieve driving around the region at the moment, there's a lot of stuff there that wasn't much thought put into how this is going to fit in with the, the surrounding community and with the surrounding, you know, the hills and the trees and all that sort of stuff. So maybe a bit more effort going into mm. that might actually make things a bit better too. Well, and that does take us back to the question about the role that developers do or don't yes. play. And I've, I've mm. always been of the opinion that there are some developers who are very mindful and very thoughtful about that and, and genuinely value mm -hmm. good design and some who, shall we say, are not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if there are good developers out there who would like to sponsor this show, by the way, then please <laughs> contact Genevieve Jacobs at The Hoot. <laughs> I, know, I would say that Region Media has many friends, many in, friends. in the real estate many, and property. Many, as do I, as, as does Genevieve. Yes, yes, indeed. Ross, thank God daylight savings over and it's no longer pitch black first thing mm. in the morning. I, I, I really, by the time you get to the end of daylight saving, I am well and truly over it. What about you? Oh, yeah. Look, uh, being a person who doesn't sleep a lot anyway, um, it doesn't seem to bother me too much. I don't seem to notice the difference. What I did notice is in the old days when I was doing breakfast radio, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a struggle when the clock changed and all of a sudden I had to get up an hour earlier. Um, but look, I, I don't mind it. I know there's an argument now that it goes on too long. Uh, you know, that six months, because once upon a time, it was four months, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I think this is the point. So we had yeah. a, an interesting article this week, actually came out of our Riverina site, but mm. um, talking about people sort of further west in New South Wales yeah. and making the point that if you are in western New South Wales, mm. that sun is rising, yeah. you know, 20 minutes, half an hour yeah. after it's rising here in a more, more easterly part. And I thought, I don't think there's any point in arguing about whether you do or don't have daylight mm. saving. I think we've got it and we're never going back on that. But... Six months of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, surely we sort of do, I don't know, November, December, January, February, something like that. I remember uh, living in Western Australia when they decided to have daylight saving on the East Coast. Uh, and the Western Australians thought, well, this is outrageous. Why? Just because um, on the East Coast do they want more sunshine? Should we have more sunshine? And they're going to put up big shade cloths. <laughs> Uh, because they didn't want another hour of sunshine because, and we had to explain to them that you still get the same sunshine at just a different time. But that's Western Australians. Love them dearly. And I am one. Yes. Um, but, yeah, look, oh, look, I don't know. I love – it's funny because you go to Europe as well and it's and they have six months now pretty well really? as well of, of daylight saving as well. And they have really long days. Mm. Oh, yes, summer. yes. Well, you know, like 10 o'clock at night. At night yeah. it's, still, it's still light and mm. then it's, uh, the sun's up very early in the morning. So – Oh, look, I think it's just been adaptable and, and I do know that, you know, New South Wales is a very big state and I know there's the further you get across to the west that um, it does seem a little bit strange and you are getting up early in the morning to get your kids ready when it's pitch black and that's a bit tough, but... Yeah, look, look I'm, I'm, I don't mind daylight saving. No. I, I like walking. I love I love going yeah. out in the evenings, you know, coming home from coming home from work and pub, being able to... Coming home from the pub. No. Oh, no, work, work, that's Work? Right. Work, yep. God almighty. No. <laughs> coming home from the pub when it's just the sun's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly and truly, <laughs> Ross. <laughs> 
No, I was just going to say something perfectly reasonable and middle-aged about going for walks going with for the walks. dog, actually. Yes, yes, and smelling the roses. And... With, the, with one of the many region media dogs. Yes, that's right. That's what you do do. Yep. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, look, this has been The Hoot. So, look, find us on the website. Find mm-hmm. us in all your usual podcast places. Please rate us. Please review us. So sign up so we drop into your feed and you yep. can listen to more of this, you know, sometimes well-informed, sometimes completely nonsensical conversation. The Hoot. The Hoot. Our new th- our new theme, the Hoot, home of good governance. <laughs> That's right. That's the, the root of all evil is poor governance, as our mutual friend Anne Cole Lambert would often say to me. Correct. I'll see you next week. Hoot, Thanks, hoot. Ross. Bye-bye. Hoot, hoot.